evening, ladies and gentlemen. Are you ready for some laughs? Are you? This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost. How the fuck am I funny? And Dave Martin. What have we got here? A fucking comedian. Can you dig it? Hey everybody, welcome to the show for the week of October 3rd. This is Anything Goes, coming to you live from downtown Toronto in the bunker of, uh, of Kaha. And uh, in the studio with me, of course, my co-host, Dave Martin, is here. Hey there, Darren. Hey, Dave. And Christina Walkinshaw is in the middle. Hi, friends. How are you? For that little chick sandwich. Yeah, uh, it was a busy week for all of us. We haven't really talked much, uh, at least me and Dave hasn't, because we've been uh, going crazy. I was in Niagara Falls with you, which I know we're going to get to in a second. But Dave uh, did a, a national television show today. I, did, and, you know uh, I don't even know what channel it's on. I don't. It's well, like it's CHH. national, supposedly. Yeah. I think it's on Omni. What, yeah, what is the show? And explain to everyone listening what this show is. The show is uh, the Being Frank show. Yep. I I went on it today. I uh, I wore the the hoodie that actually has the. I purposely wore the hoodie because I knew that that uh, the host Frank D'Angelo would have trouble with the name and the channel that the, and the <laughs> channel and the channel that we're on. Uh, so I have a hoodie that actually says the name of our show and what right. channel it's. Uh, and it's the Being Frank show. It's taped in the basement of his own restaurant. Uh, his restaurant. This is guy's called... an entrepreneur. He has many different products that he's sold and been successful in. He's and he wants that... to be. He's a singer, and he wants to be a, a talk show host. Right. So he's put up all the money for himself to do his own talk show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he made all his money selling D'Angelo uh, apple juice. Like, and that right. it's all the Arizona iced teas that you see. Ooh, uh, like those, those are his. Uh, and the uh, cheetah, cheetah power, power, power surge. surge. Yep. Those are all his drinks. And uh, yeah, he has Where's, a restaurant. He has a restaurant, the restaurant called the uh, Hey, the Forget About It Supper Club on uh, <laughs> oh, King, it's Street. On King <laughs> Street. Yes. Okay. And it's one of those I things. All the time. It's one of those things that you write. If you have a horrible time there, you can. Hey, I went to the Forget About It, and I did. Right. You know, it's just it's a. Uh, but, but how was okay? Yeah. So you did the show. Was it funny? Was it awkward? Was it weird? Is there an audience there? Uh, there's like an audience of about twenty, and right. uh, there's a zero pre-interview. Oh man, I uh, wish it, I put it, my kids in daycare and came it, down to watch it, this. Uh, it's right on. <laughs> it's totally on the fly. There's like zero writers, uh, and there's times where it shows. But I mean, it's, uh, <laughs> just has, like our show. He is a band. He has a, a band that uh, I mentioned that uh, he, he, he was threatening mm-hmm. them. Well, it it was weird. Like we go there and you have uh, you you have lunch there, and then he goes down and you can hear him practicing with the band. He worked up a good back sweat uh, before he put his uh, jacket Sexy. on. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, he sings a couple songs, but then he's like constantly threatening everyone. He told like a couple of different people he was going to stab them later if they didn't, you know, <laughs> get their shit together. He wasn't and, freaking out. In a, in so anyway, it's in tuning a fun, in every week. In a funny way. Frank Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to start threatening you to be stabbed, Dave. Chop, chop. Oh, oh, I, did you get stabbed. a free meal? Or like oh, yeah, yeah. Cocktails oh, yeah of course. Out of the, the meal was free. I did not drink. Uh, yeah, can you now go boring. to. Can you now go forever to. Uh, what is it called? <laughs> the forget about yeah, it. And go, hey, I know Frank can get a good table. I. Uh, 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 maybe I don't. Can know you order the horse's head? Can you? Is that some yeah, kind of code? I want to wait. Uh, Let's for, see for if what? you I... could get a free glass of wine when you're supper. Oh sure, yeah. sure. Hey, I was on the Being one? Frank show. Oh yeah. yeah. 
And uh, someone threatens you to be stabbed? It might be a while before I use, uh, I might put uh, some YouTube appearances before I put the uh, being frank uh, appearance. (laughs) But uh, it was fun to do. And uh, I mentioned the show. Actually, the the one question he asked, uh, what was the most outrageous question you've ever asked someone? Because I mentioned you, uh, Darren, being uh, an uh, edgy and uh, we uh, guy that uh, we- I hope you brought the Gilbert Gottfried one up. That's actually, that's the one. That's the one question I said that uh, are the- the uh, edgiest question we ever asked a guest was uh, I asked Gilbert Godfrey if he would have uh, uh, sex with Nancy Grace from uh, Headline News. <laughs> and uh, Frank kind of looked uh, kind of weird at me about that. And I said, yes, well, eventually uh, Gilbert did say that he would have sex with her for a charity. And uh, <laughs> uh, he said that on the radio. In and more then, ways than one. And then uh, and then later on when we were getting his, our photo taken with him out here, I don't know if I ever told this to you, Darren. No. But, um, yeah, he leaned over to me again and said, and then he was like, "Yeah, I would definitely have sex with Nancy Grace." And then I then I leaned into him and I said, "Yeah, but would you eat her bush?" And then he was like, "Fuck off!" And he whispered, "Fuck off!" in my ear, which I thought, and I was going to try to do a Gilbert impression, but I won't bother. But uh, they, it was fun. We got the name of the show out. Sure. And, uh, yeah. Oh, and actually, he said the next time that I come on, I should bring both you, Christina, and uh, and we would do a, a thing together. Asked, oh what, yeah, let's hey, do it. Yeah. He asked, uh, why come? Why didn't I bring my other friends uh, that uh, come? host the show with me and i also asked frank to come on so okay we'll, we'll see if we get frank d'angelo yeah let's get him on, on oh, here yeah, so we can ask him, him if he eats bush and he tells us to go fuck off let's see if well, he wants did... to stab us later <laughs> 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 but he said that he gets like great ratings and uh they're in their well, third season but if you what, put what's he gonna say on, what's he gonna say oh the show's shitty what do we care uh, things aren't going so good things are going so well great, if great ratings for the rogers channel <laughs> <laughs> yeah well i mean i'm not knocking i'm just it no, is what it is you know it is i'll go on the show but it is what it is you know it's just uh, you know i wouldn't do stand up on it but i would do panel what do i care yeah, well it, actually ian sirota was on the show today and uh, okay. and he did stand up yeah. and it was just like uh yeah, but ian is more you know tv friendly and for a crowd of 20 unknown kind of people gathered together i think he would he would do a lot better than i would stand up wise well he was doing a lot of like oh my wife jokes <laughs> yeah, and, yeah 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 uh, my oh, wife's my... into role play in the bedroom that, That's, that, that, that was uh, the set that <laughs> yeah, was the uh, whole uh, my wife's in role wow. playing that's it. Well, I've memorized everybody's acts. Canada. It was fun. If you want to check it out, if you wanted me to, uh, if you want to watch me uh, sweat under uncontrollably uh, on Friday, I think it airs. Uh, so is it uh, like a buffet lunch? No, no, no. <laughs> I had the choice of uh, the uh, roast uh, pork chops, uh, chicken, or uh, salmon. Oh, wow. oh, no vegetarian. And I'm still wearing my makeup too. I noticed. Uh, I, I noticed. I was going to say, wow, look, you look uh, good, Dave. I look uncomfortably healthy. I'm tuning in because I love watching you sweat. That's my favorite. <laughs> I see it enough every Monday at the end of the hour. I don't need to see it anymore. It's hot in this room, you guys. I get cold easily, and I feel like I probably could rock out some pit stains in about two minutes. <laughs> nice. So uh, some- uh, We had little, an exciting weekend. We did have an exciting weekend. We you want to get into that now? Darren or? and I. Let's just fucking do it. Okay, go um, ahead. So we had- we had a couple of rowdy crowds. We had a rowdy crowd on Thursday. We played in Niagara Falls. Played yes. in Niagara Falls. We had a rowdy crowd this yep. late show Saturday. Fair enough. Who's not hammered at like yeah. 11 o'clock yeah, on a Saturday? Exactly. In a casino. I'd like to think he would be Canada, you know? Yeah. Um, but Thursday night, like, I thought Thursday night was for, like, professional drinkers, people that were, like, getting a head start off the amateurs on the Fridays and Saturdays. See, I find always the but, exact opposite. I find people who don't generally drink much go on a Thursday because their expectation is not going to be that much of a rock and roll type crazy show. Right. And well, they go yeah. on a Thursday not drink. Or they're well, there also, for the show and not yes. as an add-on to whatever else yes. they're doing. Yeah. There was a stag party. And, like, for, like, they would not stop. And even when I, like, joked around a couple times. Like, they just kept on going, show us your tits, show us your tits, show us your tits, show us your tits. Yeah. Like and they had pom-poms, too. 
And then like, after <laughs> so a few, like, pom-poms. Yeah, <laughs> I can't believe they brought those pom-poms. Give me a tea. Uh, it was really offensive because obviously I prefer the word boobies. It sounds cuter. Yeah, Maybe yeah. I would have said that my boobies. I don't even have tits. Tits tits sound big. Yeah. I don't have tits. Yeah, you don't like, have tits. I tried to explain to them. I'm like, didn't you, you hear you that joke off the top? I brought up in Korea. Like, I don't yeah, have tits. Right. And then they were like, okay, show us your bush. Show us your bush. I was yeah. like, did you not hear the fucking <laughs> 10 minutes on waxing? That I did? Come on. Yeah, there's no bush there. Shut up. I don't think they, were, they weren't keeping notes. So. No. They kept going. It's, I it's think, a standard, you know, stag at a comedy club horror yeah. story and they just go too far and nothing was done and you know what are you going to do I know I think I know I think they had my uh, line of work confused with somebody from the sundowner I don't know yeah, strip club I mean yeah I, was, <laughs> I don't know I don't get why stags come and expect that they could just kind of control the show I know. but fair enough they probably want to see naked women I don't blame them but yeah but I'm go not, where naked women I, are and people like I, Dave Sweating are. That's where you, yeah, the, the, the strip club. Like, that's that's another thing. This is something I'll say, and I feel like I've talked about this before. But that night, I actually dressed quite nicely because I had to go to a birthday party later on. Remember? Right, right. So I'm dressed in my heels. I'm dressed in my like nice jeans and yep. a nice top. I'm looking better than I usually do when I do comedy. Usually, I like to be dressed down, sneakers, jeans, hoodie, like and not come off sexual, but I did look better than normal that day. But so maybe what I, so maybe I'm giving off. Are a little you trying more to play a victim energy. here? Like it's your I'm fault. I'm just saying. I you were, it's your fault. you were fucking asking for it. <laughs> you were asking for it. I asked for it. I fucking showered that yeah, day. Yeah. Um, no, but I'm just saying. Like I swear to God, I think I just. I, I think, I think I, I'm more comfortable on stage can I tell when them? I'm dressed down, and I don't think had I been dressed up, had I been dressed down, I don't think they would have got that vibe off me yeah, to start well, shouting those things. I think I think I got to tell everyone. I don't want you know. Is it okay if I tell them what you do before you go on? You actually perfume your pussy, right? So, <laughs> so right there, I don't know why they thought it's that not it would true. show us. I don't even have anything that why, smells good in my purse. Why? Why would they think they could see your tits statements. when your pussy smells like a rose garden like that? <laughs> right? That's what you do. I mean, if we want to spread this rumor on the radio, I'm fine with yeah. it. It smells amazing, everybody. Yeah. The best thing you've ever smelled, I mean, ever. me and Rob Pugh are there. Like you fresh- walk by, and I'm like, Jesus, are we in a garden right now? And Rob's like, no, she sprayed her pussy again. They wanted to see me naked. I don't why know why. But I'm telling you, all I'm saying is for the record, I betcha had it been like good old you know a girl next door Christina on stage I don't think they would have got that vibe off me but I kind of looked like I was ready to party and go to the bar well, like little hoochie I think I think it's hor- I don't like dressing like that on stage that's all I'm saying I think it's horseshit that they allow them to stay there now what after you got off stage yeah. uh, and then Darren went back on did you speak to these uh, individuals well, I'd already spoken to them before she even went on did you I'd speak already to them had again? to stop stop the show tell them to shut the fuck up be quiet it was awkward for three or four minutes and uh, you know and then I went on with the show and uh, then I had to talk to them again in between um, Christina and Rob the headliner so it was annoying the whole way through the show but and then what did you do to try to like pick them up again like the rest of the crowd up because did it get like deathly uncomfortably yes, serious yes, when you had to yes, talk to these yes. people yes the first time yeah there was like a three or four minute kind of funk in the room and I just had to kind of just keep some, doing some cheerleading material so they finally all like oh this is back you to the show again you should showed them your tits and uh, then everybody went well that's what won. I said that's what I said when you left the stage I'm pissed you didn't ask to see my tits mine are twice <laughs> as big as Christina's it's and true. my pussy smells like a rose garden it's uh, true did you uh, and and how do you get how do you get the funk out of the room when you have to? You just keep doing material, 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 and you just do stuff that isn't too edgy, and you just kind of you know nice guy stuff, and it's like, hey, isn't the world great? And da 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 da, and they eventually kind of break down and get back into it. Uh, I would have driven that show so far into the ground. That's why. That's why it's just. I, I, I know I would have made it incredibly uncomfortable. If I was the headliner, I would, but you can't as the well, MC. I know, and that's why I'm getting very frustrated with hosting duties because if there are like uh, dicks there that just think that like, oh, we're going to comedy club. 
they'll love us because yeah. we're. I think if people get that mentality that we're a party and people want to party with us, you know, right? Yeah. And, and then we're gonna oh we're gonna stir some shit up here. Yeah. And I would just be they like, can you take guys. It. I think yeah. I think a lot as, of people want to do that when they go to a comedy club. Oh yeah, I get a heckle. We're gonna rock this the, show. The first thing when you, Darren, when you told me that, I was so upset at the way sure. that Christina was was treated. I might, I know that I would have said something like. Oh my God! What sort of stupid cunt would marry a douchebag like you? Right. And then I have no way of getting out of that. No. There's no way. No. I can some kind of some people can be uh, pleasantly mean. Sure. On stage, and I just know that I genuinely look like I loathe the person that I'm talking to. Well, I to. do too, and that's why I didn't really go there because four years ago I would have like fucking ripped up the stage and MC or not. But it's not the it's the path of least resistance. You just want to get through yeah. the show. It's There's seventy so. other people there. It's not worth it. At the end of the day, you just kind of go, well, if I'm the headliner. It's different. I can control it. Then I'm the last guy. Fuck you. But when you're the MC, you got to be their friend, and that's the so whole thing. So funny because like the whole front row was empty. Nobody sat up front, right? Except, Except for this one man with cerebral palsy in, in a, a wheelchair, wheelchair. Oh, drinking no. his like Ryan Coke out of a sippy cup that had like a lid on it. And it was so cute. He was just looking up at me, feeling sorry for me. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. I was like, oh, bless your heart. I was just. <laughs> I made friends with him. He was my friend for the show. <laughs> so sad. He was the best. Uh, Wherever you right. are, if you're out there. I Thank you for keeping me sane up there. <laughs> we have to take a break. Uh, today, our guest is Mark Breslin, the uh, CEO of Yuck Yucks. Uh, started the comedy chain uh, 28 years ago, I think, almost close to 30 years ago now. Oh, okay. We'll find out. Uh, yeah, we'll find out. And uh, he also was the one who helped start uh, this channel on Sirius XM Laugh Attacks. So we'll talk a little bit about that as well. But after the break, Mark Breslin is here. Uh-oh. Hot diggity. Hey everyone, it's Angry Depression Hour. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. This is the world-famous Darren Rose. You're listening to Anything Goes. Show me on the dial where the bad man touched you. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. All right, we are uh, back from the break. This is Anything Goes for the week of October 3rd, 2012. Uh, in the studio this week, we have uh, Mr. Mark Breslin. How are you, sir? Actually, I'm getting over a cold, and as we just discussed, uh, it hurts every time I get into a car because I sit on my balls now. I know. We, nice. <laughs> right. And since you asked. <laughs> I know. It's, it's sort of one of those sort of like uh, how's the weather sort of questions. That, yeah. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm glad that you brought up your balls quickly into conversation. I all, well, okay. And while we're on the subject, for the last year, I've been having a lot of problems with bladder stones. Yeah. Right. And they're really annoying, and I have to go for another operation. I've ha I have to do this about every five to six years. And no, are bladder stones the same as kidney stones? No. Okay. They start in the bladder rather than further up, but they're painful and annoying and have to run to the bathroom all the time, and it just drives you crazy. What You won't like what you have to do to get, have the operation, of course. What is they the operation? Uh, well, they don't, well, they don't cut you open. They stick. Well, they put you under, luckily, right. and then they take a tube and they put it up your urethra, oh, God, yeah. and yeah. then they fish a net and a camera yes. up there. And uh, let me tell you, this is better than half the CBC shows, but <laughs> they go all half. the way up there, and then they actually take each one out with a net. It takes about an hour and a half. As painful as you make that sound, I bet there is a guy out there that really enjoys it. In a <laughs> fucked up Probably. world that we live in. a website there's, to show that. Yeah, well, he's the guy who dude. says, no anesthetic, please. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Nicholson and Lou. You asked me how I was. I would never have brought this up on oh my, my own. Oh, my God. My thighs sure. are clinging to each other. But in other the interest right of now. open and honest, uh, you know, openness yeah. and honesty. Yeah, I like it. Well, it's great like to be back here in the studio of the... 
uh, station that I created. <laughs> yep. uh, and then a big thunderclap comes down and a bolt of lightning hits the studio. And... I should only be so lucky. Uh, <laughs> one of the things we, we, uh, we do uh, uh, appreciate uh, honesty and uh, openness here on the show. And we did uh, we got a couple questions that came in. And uh, uh, we don't really like to say who they're from, but we got uh, a couple questions uh, that came in on the Twitter. Uh, the first question is, um, is uh, why am I not working more? Mm-hmm. And, uh, He's reading from actually, a blank page. The, actually, These the, are Dave's questions. The next question also is, uh, why am I not working more? And the third, okay, there's a lot of questions. Of do you why want am I the answer? Do you want the answer to that? These were not, not from me, though. But mm-hmm. I, my, do you want the answer <laughs> to that? Yes, I do. It is tragic that in the arts, yeah. no matter whether you're a musician right. or a an actor or a painter or a comedian, that there are far more people looking for work than there is work. Right. It's tragic. And it's across the board. It's everywhere. It's everything. It's particularly problematical in Canada because of our, you know, low population density and also the size of the country. But it doesn't really matter where you are. You can go to Europe. It's the same thing. It's tragic. And I'll tell you something. This goes all the way back to when, in 1974, I got my first job in show business, which was not in comedy. It was actually promoting folk music because my girlfriend at the time, Kathleen, Oh, wonderful girl, was a uh, folk singer. Right. And she used to stay over at my place, and I used to watch her spend whole days on the phone trying to get work. And then finally, she'd get a job. And I rationalized it. I thought, my, this is a person who's spending, you know, I don't know how much time getting the work and only a fraction of the time actually doing the work. Yeah. It's endemic to the entire system of show business, and it's too bad. Did you, That's why you're in, not... did you get involved in folk music at all? Yes. Was like, okay. I loved folk music. In fact, I was a real folky when I was like 13, 14 years old. I used to join uh, all these, I used to go to all these nannies at my high school. <laughs> and uh, I was the youngest kid. And they were all kind of, um, those nannies, by the way, were kind of uh, cover, of, uh, they were covers for left-wing organizations within the school, like the UN Club okay. was another right. one. Right. Um, so all the left-wing kids would always have these nannies, and I was always attracted to them. And I, would, I, was, I used to sneak into the riverboat when I was a little kid and yeah I always liked folk music for the same reason I like comedy in that it's a personal vision well how did your dick oh, yeah. jokes go over uh, for the folk music crowd at the Mariposa <laughs> Festival well it's funny you say that because you know that that was the origin of Yuck Yucks was at a folk music club it was called the Fingerboard at the 519 Church Street, yeah. right? Yeah, okay. And my friend was running it. All the comics had no place to play because we'd all been sort of thrown out of harbor front at the time. This is 1976, I guess it was. So I said to my friend, hey, would you mind if my friends, the comics, came by and did sets in between the folkies? He said, sure, let's bring them by, see what happens on Saturday night. It was a disaster yeah. because the folkies hated the comics. The comics hated the folkies. The folkies would all be there with their patchouli oil and, you know, their earth tones and their positive vibes. And the comics would all be, be there with the, their hash oil. And that's their, right. Yeah. They're bad. The back chain smoking and swearing other, every other word. But because of that, I got the idea of opening up the first Yuck Yucks on the Wednesday night. I went to the community center board and said, hey, could I do a comedy night here the way my friend does a folk music <clears> night? And they said, sure, but you have to make sure that many of the comics come from the downtown community, no problem, and you have to pay 38 bucks for the room. And I went, 38 bucks? Where am I going to get $38? And then I realized I could charge a dollar at the door. No one had ever done that in an open mic before. I charge a dollar, and it would work. And I charged the dollar, and it worked. Hmm. Cool. Now you've been you've been around comedy for 40 30 40 years would you say? 36 years. 36. <clears throat> yeah. Not that I'm counting. Okay. But and, <laughs> and and currently how old are you Mark? 
60. Mm. Okay, perfect. So here's my question. Yeah. What would the 60-year-old Mark tell the 30-year-old Mark? <laughs> Now that you've had all this experience, and in your and and uh, in your younger years, uh, many people felt you were a lot more vicious than you are now. That would be fair to say, don't you think? I would say that I always had the personality that I needed to have in the situation. Right. Um, you know, uh, personality styles are a style just like fashion. You can't wear something that's thirty years too too youthful for yourself. You look ridiculous. Right. I'd look like a complete dork screaming at the top of my lungs and carrying on like I used to. Right. I've had to change my style, but it's evolved naturally. I started out as a real uh, uh, wild man, and then I became a comedian, and then I became uh, a businessman, and then I became a politician, and then I finally became a diplomat. Right. And the next thing is I'll be retired. <laughs> but what? But, but what do you think? I can't. I, you know, it's a great question. I'm killing time trying to figure out a witty right. answer. Yeah. Um, would, it, would, would it? Would it be? Uh, you know, would it be something like maybe? Uh, you know, my old thing is as I turn forty. My old thing now is I don't do anything for twenty four hours. In you know my twenties and thirties, I would react a lot quicker. And now I've got a thing where I don't do anything for twenty four hours. So if something really fucking pisses me off for twenty four hours. I don't do anything about it. You're right. Like, I'm like, not as. Re- you're not. You're right. I would tell my younger self not to be quite so reactive. Right. I would tell my younger self to uh, wait and sh- see how things go because, as Bob Dylan said, uh, don't speak too soon for the wheels still in spin. Right. Mm-hmm. And the times they are a change in. Uh, but I also would have told my younger self to stay in Los Angeles when I had the chance. Yeah. The, yeah. No, but I mean, like, when uh, you're in, when, when it's like the late 70s and this is just mm-hmm. starting, I mean, how, like, did you look at a bigger picture then? Like, how, when do you start looking at a bigger Big picture? Big picture? Yeah. You know, the first four years, I put my money in a shoebox. Right. Um, I didn't even have a bank account for the company. And the only reason I got the bank account is I have really small shoes. I have size five, you know, European <laughs> shoes. And they were. it was a small shoebox, so I, I had to get the, uh, the bank account. No, I never looked at it for the first... Until 1984, which was a turning point because we opened the club in Ottawa. Right. And it worked, and it suggested that this could have been... This could be some kind of national thing. I never looked at... Anything more than three weeks la- uh, three weeks ahead. I lived for the moment like all the good Buddhists are supposed to. I led a very Buddhist life for the first while. Mm-hmm. Now, um, oh. let's talk about Montreal for a second, because I know Yuck Yucks tried to put a club in there, and, and for a period of time there was one. 1980. Right. And, uh, never I use your own money. Here's a, yes. Anybody listening, yes. never use your own money on a product. Uh, uh, intellectual capital should meet uh, financial capital, and the two should be partners, but don't do it yourself. And then right. they sunk oh. the whole company. Oh, the being frank show. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh, the reason I bring it up, someone asked a question for me to ask you. And, yes. And, I th- and it, for, I'm not, I'm not going to say that's the answer, but they want to know what your greatest success in comedy is and your greatest disappointment. Okay. Well, the greatest disappointment was not Montreal. No, but I, it, it's not a it's not a huge disappointment, but it was in a sense of eh. it was such a great comedy market at that time. No, no, it wasn't. Otherwise, it would have succeeded. Right. We had a wonderful, wonderful club. The physical plant was great. The location was terrific. One of the smaller problems was that the Montreal comedy scene was not that evolved, and we had to put the same people on over and over again. Oh, I see. And people kept shouting out the punchlines after a while. Right. Um, we didn't really have any major competition. There was stitches, but it was a tiny little room uh, at the time. No, no, it just wasn't ready. Okay. Four years later, everything had changed. Right. Had we waited till 1985 to go into Montreal, we might still be there today. Right. But I don't want to go into Montreal now and A, have a failure, B, take away from the two guys who have slogged it out for so darn long there right. that they deserve their little success, sure. and C, a marketplace which, you know, 
you're watching you're watching Quebec politics, you would sort of feel that you know a place to not invest any money in Absolutely. is the English speaking market in Montreal right now. Well, most of the English comics or even the long long haul ones are thinking about getting out. There's lots of like Falconbridge, Scott Falconbridge. Just I know he just moved here. He just moved, and there's other rumblings of other guys of that same kind of you know years in talking about leaving Montreal. Is that is that a purely of like a French English thing or just the English? It's a lot. It's up? a lot of French English. I had I had trouble getting served at Mr. Sub when I when they found out I was English. So. <laughs> but My, it was. It was that's because you called it Mr. and not Monsieur Sub. Monsieur Sub. Oh, oh. Do you know when we had the club there, even then, the language laws were so ridiculous that we had to call it Le Yuck Yuck. We had to <laughs> oh, That sounds like a strip club that, that I should that I'd get kicked out of. We had to we had to take every piece of promotional literature which we had, which you know, you would have flyers that would go around. Sure. The flip side had to all be translated into uh, into French. And I remember um, the phrase we were using then was wild, wacky, and wonderful, which I think was a quote from somebody from the Toronto Star. I think it was Bruce Kirkland reviewing Yak Yaks. Well, on the opposite side, it said something like, fou, fefru, et farfelu. Jeez. Oh my God, that's funny. So, you know, and you, you have were... to pay a guy to translate that, right. remember, and everything else, and the costs, blah, blah, blah. Now, Montreal is not my, my, greatest, my greatest regret. Uh, my greatest regret... It's a tough one. Well, we ask tough questions. I know, I know, but there's been so many. Um, I'd rather Maui had been a success. That would have been better. Oh, that then, would have been Because then, be, then I'd be telling you, uh, Darren, you're yeah. in uh, Oakville on uh, uh, the first week of November, and the second week of November you're in Maui. That would, Nothing would give me greater pleasure uh, than to be able to say that. Was there really a club in Maui? Yes. Where oh, was yes. it? For I love Maui. For eight months in Lahaina. Oh, my God, I love Lahaina. Oh, God, let's bring it back. I, uh, lived, I lived there at the time, and it was fine while I was there, and then I left, and... You know, the franchisee, well, let's put it this way. Nobody goes to um, Maui as a career move, so everybody's drunk by 11. Nobody works very hard. It's hard. You start drinking so much earlier there, right? I know. Because so. it's like the time difference, six hours, you start drinking at noon, and then you pass out by eight. Uh, not that I would know. But and, who needs a, and who needs a comedy club in paradise? I know. Well, I Where's the release from? What do you need the release from? Oh, I know. What I do you know. need the release from? It's true. You do nothing. Go for a run on the beach. Yeah, it's perfect. Have some cocktails. Mark, I have a question for you. Yes. I'm no expert on marriage, okay? I'm a happily single girl, but are you wearing your wedding ring on the wrong hand? Yes, I am. And how come? Well, there are two possible explanations. I know one, one of them. One, I go to a bar and no one thinks I'm married. Right. But that's not the reason. I'd like you to take a look at my other hand, uh, my other hand and tell me what you see on my ring finger. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. Well, okay. That means nothing on radio. I know. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Just for the uninitiated who um, I'm very smart, can't eh? see guys? into the studio. I have a web, a serious web halfway up my hand and where my ring finger goes. So right. I can't put my ring finger on there. So I put it on here on I've the right hand instead. I've never noticed that. I've known you for years. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, but I'm told that in Europe, people wear it on the right hand and it's no big deal. You should get Aquaman to set up a franchisee in Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> we, could fucking, we could all play there. He speaks to the fishes. Uh, okay, I call it. This is my website. Yeah. <laughs> I was an early adopter. Exactly. Uh, we have this in my family. Um, every male um, in my on my father's side has this in exactly the same place, but to a greater or lesser degree. My son does not have it, which means he has broken the Breslin curse. <laughs> 
Uh, if you're just joining us, we're talking to Mark Breslin here on Anything Goes. Uh, another uh, question someone asked, is there ever a comic you thought should have been bigger? That can be American or Canadian. It doesn't really matter. Was there someone you saw and you're like, Mike wow. McDonald, Mike 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 McDonald. Yeah. Right. Well, but, Mike, but he that, did make it to a certain extent a lot bigger than most Canadian comics. I thought he was going to be bigger than Jim Carrey. Right. Now what? Like, but did you did you think did you see him in in, in movies and in sitcoms and? Yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, in the kind of uh, you know sort of heavy comedy role. Sure. Yeah, yeah playing the funny army sergeant. Exactly. Yeah, I can um, see that. Right. Like, think how good the remake of Sergeant Bilko um, would have been had they used Mike McDonald at his prime. Right, right, instead of the Steve Martin yeah, character. Just yeah, just as an example. I'm just right. throwing that one out. Sure. Right. No, no one, no one, no one was ever as amazing as Mike McDonald in 1981 doing four hours and then coming back the next night with a whole new four hours. Right. right. The night after the Oscars, Mike had his feature set and did the entire feature on the Oscars, which means he wrote the whole thing that day. Right. Mm. No, there was nobody like him. And he could do physical comedy. He could do... Uh, you know, he did mime. You know, he did mime pieces. I mean, he did anything. All right, that doesn't impress me much. <laughs> I know, but if you saw him do it, you Maybe. would. Maybe. I got. I got. I saw uh, an episode. Well, not an episode, but I watched the movie uh, A Bronx Tale over the weekend. And I, uh, uh, one question that I got from that movie that I wanted to uh, say to you is, uh, what do you want? Uh, what do you want to be more, loved or feared? Loved. Really? Anybody who would say feared is an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> Who well, wants well, to be feared? Well, don't run into Sonny from that movie. Well, he here's the thing. <laughs> but here's the thing. What okay. happens when you're not loved? Then, you, unfortunately, you have to revert to feared. Right. Um, but but you, I, can't, you can't run a business on the basis of being loved either. No, but you didn't ask me that question. No, I know. But That I wasn't think, the question. The question yeah. is, which would you rather be? I'd say right. loved. Right. But... Um, Look, you, what you really want is respect. And yeah. I'm not sure whether respect is love or respect is fear or some weird combination of both. Right. But I can tell you one thing I've learned over the years. In the beginning, I thought what power was was the guy who walked into the room and told everybody what to do, and they did it. Now I see that power is the guy who walks into the room and takes a whole bunch of different people with very different agendas and gets everybody to kind of agree to one agenda and move forwards. That's now, I think, what I see power as being. Right. So I don't think that fear falls into that or love. It's some other thing, some kind of respect. Okay. Like that. Well, that's, yeah, answer. no, that's, well, it's an answer. So, Bruce Clark. Uh, an answer. Great. <laughs> no, no, no. It happens to be one of the better answers you would get yes, to that question, yes. and yet you would say that's an answer. Well, it's still an answer, good or no, bad. No, give but me, the, no, give me the credit I deserve. Give me the respect answer. I want here. Oh, so Dave is in fear. Even, Dave is in fear right so now. There yeah. Be a, a, Love me or fuck off. <laughs> All right. Well, wow. I guess I should take off my headphones then. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> Dave. Love me or fuck me. Dave yeah. says that every Saturday night. Love me or fuck off, I think. so. <laughs> I still get asked back today, Jack. So. Yeah. I meant I meant with women, not in comedy, Dave. Oh. Okay. Oh. Sometimes I don't even get <laughs> yeah. love or what was it? What were my two choices? Love me or fuck me? Lo- no, love me and fuck off. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's not a bad combination. So Bruce, Bruce Clark sent me a question. Yes. Um, he wanted to know uh, what your thoughts on Canadians. Do they really produce better, more comics per capita than the U.S.? Well, I haven't done any you know, study on this, right, so I can't just... nu- numerically say that that's the case. But surely our contribution to world comedy has been quite amazing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I guess so. But I just can't, I can't quantify it for you. And... No, uh, but that's not even the question, is it? The question is why? Right. Why would that be? 
Uh, well, there's a lot of different reasons. I think that this is just a very nice, supportive country. We're a really supportive group of people. Um, and we have institutions that support things that in the United States, they have businesses and companies. Here we have institutions. Say what you want about Humber School of Comedy, Just for Laughs, uh, this particular organization, XM, you know, the Laugh Attack. There's a lot of places that you can play and that are organized in such a way that you can play and learn. They don't quite have that in the United States in quite the same way. It's a different kind of entrepreneurial culture. And I think the entrepreneurial culture works better for comedians once they hit a certain mark, once they right. hit a certain yeah. level. Sure. But at the real nascent stage, at a real beginner stage, I yeah. think Canada is actually a better place. No, I started doing comedy in Ottawa, and I agree with that. It was such like a great club to learn how to do comedy. I was surrounded by great comics. It was awesome. And the stakes, good, good and the stakes are lower. And the yeah, stakes are good. lower. And that's sometimes a good thing. Well, we had, Sean Cole, so. we had Sean Cullen on the show, and one of the things he said that being in this country, it, does, it forces you to reinvent yourself constantly, that you can't, sort of, you can't keep being the same performer over and over again. Well, he's right, because there's probably not enough jobs huh. that you Absolutely. could do at the yeah. same, uh, doing the same thing over and over and over again. Uh, yeah, you know, when I worked at Harborfront back in the 70s, the guy who ran it, um, was an actor named Roy Wordsworth, and he ran the programming department. He was a regular on Wayne and Schuster. And I asked him why. He was a Brit, and I asked him why he would do that job. He said, mate, if you want to make a living in this country, you got to do it all. Yeah, right. of course. And he's probably right. Um, I mean, it's not like I haven't done a lot of different things. Mo, I think... You know, in the United States, I might have just been content with the role of club owner, but I'm not. And a lot of it is economic. You have to just keep doing things to keep all the different incomes rolling in. Yeah, that's true. You brought up uh, JFL, and someone wanted to ask the question of, uh, why does JFL concentrate on American, Brits, Aussies at the expense of some great Canadians? Well, okay. In I'm your pr- opinion. Of yeah, course. yeah, yeah. No, in someone else's opinion. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, these different things. You know, I've been I've been critical of them for that for a long time. But I've also run festivals here and there. And if you want to get excitement going, you can't put the same people on stage that you could see any night of the week in that in that marketplace. Sure. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the problems. My my if I ran the zoo, um the difference is I would try to make sure that for every star there was some kind of, you know, Canadian working with them so that, you know, you go to see the big star, but you wind up seeing the Canadians as well, and you're exposed to those people, and that there would be some kind of uh, lockstep mechanism for grooming people to go from one level to the next level to the higher level when they're Canadians. That's something I don't think that Just for Laughs sees that as their role. Right. Ironically, I think they do see it in the uh, French uh, thing because they have oh, like absolutely. a French school and absolutely. there's a whole bunch of things built in there that are that are hierarchical. Um, they've never built in a hierarchical thing. For, uh, here's a, just a, a simple example: they have a, uh, a homegrown contest. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so somebody wins the homegrown contest and they do a little couple of things that year, but then they don't bring them back the next year. Wouldn't you bring that person back the next year to have a special spot on the galas sure. uh, yeah. and even announce it that way? You know, here's our homegrown spot of 2011. They don't do those sorts of things. I guess that doesn't matter to them. But if uh, that's something I would do if See, I were my, there. See, my big uh, complaint about it is, for example, 
they used um, Danny Boy from uh, from Scotland. They brought him over here a couple times. They did a big tour. Now, in the first tour, second tour, not a lot of people knew who he was, but they went because of the name Just for Laughs, knowing it's a brand, just like Yuck Yucks is. You know what you're getting to a certain extent. And my attitude is, why wouldn't they do that with someone like a Steve Patterson or a Pete Zedlacker who is in definitely the same kind of league as them and not have them closing out a big show oh. and have them kind of step and fetch as the host? I'm even more cynical than you are. Right. Why did they bring Danny Boy over? Well, no, I know. No, come on, say it. I'm not a fan of him. Say it. Why did they bring him over? Why him? Well, politics, of course. No, why him specifically? I don't Is he know, represented Mark? by one of the people that uh, runs Just for Laughs? No, okay. because. Because South Asian comedy is the taste of the moment, and they knew if they could have such a if Russell Peters could be so successful, right. this guy would be next. There's a built-in marketplace for a South Asian for a South Asian uh, audience, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. No, no. Um, but they knew because the interesting thing is, although I've seen Danny Boy and I was not particularly impressed, you can only sell you can only sell people uh, based on the Just for Last brand the first time. Or maybe right. even the second time. Right. But when he started to sell it out, it means that somebody liked him. Right. Somebody actually liked what he did. And uh, I bet if you went and you saw the audience, it was major, uh, ma- major brown people. Right. And that's fine. They, they knew what would sell. Okay. Well, we, we had Ron James in a few months ago, and we were, we were talking about this idea of one of his complaints or uh, grievances with, uh, with JFL was the idea that he tours in the same theaters that they tour in. And being a government-sponsored kind of organization, it's very tough for him to try to battle for the entertainment dollar in those venues I think, on a constant ba- basis. Darren, I think you just doubled your listenership in Alberta. Well, <laughs> I'm not going to disagree. Uh, no, I think you just doubled your listenership <laughs> yeah. in Alberta because what you're really saying is you're arguing for entrepreneurship right. and unfettered entrepreneurship and feel that the level, playing field should be level. Right. And I guess I would agree with you, but to do that as, as Yuck Yucks, I would have to reformat myself as a, um, a non-for-profit, uh, not-for-profit organization. I would have to fill out unbelievable amounts of, of paperwork. Right. I'm just sitting on this committee now that turns the Canadian Comedy Awards into a non-profit. You wouldn't believe the amount of paperwork sure. and uh, stuff you have to go through to make this happen, and it's enough to make you tear your hair out. And I guess I would never want to go through that, and then I would also never want the, the scrutiny that goes with that. People have said, why don't you ever go, why don't you ever go public with Yuck Yucks? And that's also an issue um, from the different, a different point of view. It's not a governmental issue, but the amount of uh, regulation that goes with uh, going public is enormous, and not everybody wants to be under that. So I will take my chances fighting um, a, a competitor. And by the way, they're not a direct competitor; they're an indirect competitor right. for us. Uh, but I will. T- I would rather do that than have to go through the run, jump through all those hoops and live under that kind of world where I have to report to somebody and I'm responsible to somebody. I make a mistake; it's my mistake to make. Okay. Um, we were talking before you got here about the idea of there's there's other venues now that are popping up in Toronto and in all the major kind of urban markets that are a lot more experimental than comedy clubs can be. As comedy clubs grow in size and venue size, there is a sense of a lot of experimental stuff has to kind of take a back seat to that. And I wanted to know what your opinion on that is. Well, I don't understand the question because it sounds like you just contradicted yourself. 
Meaning, as a comedy club grows to say a two or three or four hundred seater, right. you can't be that experimental. You have to be more middle of the road. Okay, but I would say that all comedy clubs start with two, three, four hundred seats, so they're not growing to that. That's where they're at. That's where they were always at. Right. But, but first Yucky Yucks I ever had had one hundred and eighty-two seats. Right. Right from the beginning. Okay. But but I mean but but you kind of like uh you know you kind of promoted the place as like a wild wacky place that like I mean how much do you try to appeal to everybody now at the club Here's as opposed I, to as opposed to like a like a place like the comedy bar in Toronto that has that has these really specialized shows that uh, yeah we couldn't do that mm-hmm. and right. I think the uh, the evidence is when I brought in um, Andy Kindler it was a disaster yeah. right or close to a uh, close to a disaster when andy kindler can't, gets when andy kindler can't satisfy the jewish night we have that's a bad sign right. right okay so we can't do that and they can but here's what we can do we don't get people who are rabid comedy fans because right. most of the world isn't a rabid comedy fan right most of the world uh, are they're uh, casual comedy users We'll call them. Right. You know? Uh, they're not alcoholics. They're people who have, like to have a drink with dinner. So they wake up and they say, we'd like to see some comedy. Where do we go? Well, we go to that Yuck Yuck's place because we trust them because we've been there before and they're the biggest and they know what they're doing and they'll put on stuff that we kind of like. <laughs> and then I take that goodwill and like any good director tries to stretch his actors, yeah. I try as a producer to stretch my audience. Just a bit, so that although it's very easy for an audience to come and enjoy Jerry D, um, I'm putting on Dave Martin before him. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry about that, Jerry. But uh, no, I'm putting, on, might have I'm putting on Dave Martin. Okay. And Dave Martin is just ever so slightly stretching that casual audi- comedy audience's idea of what a night of comedy might be. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I've always thought that Yuckucks is the place where the alternative meets the mainstream. Right. So, you know, I, okay, see, because I was there the uh, when you had Andy Kindler come for the first time in like the was it late 90s. Uh, it was only once. It was only once. I think it was yep. only once. But it was the front page of the Toronto Star, sure. and, uh, and, he, and he, he walked like 75% of the room. <laughs> That's correct. And I just Whoa. keep thinking, like, was there like a 1978 Mark Breslin in the back or inside you that was just sort of like, ah, fuck them, they're walking out on a, uh, they don't know what they're walking out yeah, on. Yeah, I felt terrible. Of course I felt you terrible. You felt bad? Of course I felt bad that they were walking, they were missing a fantastic act. Okay, but so it's like, do you get angry at crowds or do you like feel sorry for them when they walk out on crowds no, more, like that? No, more sorry than angry. See, I, feel, I used to get, like, be like, you know, fuck you if you don't think I'm funny, but now I'm like, you know what, that's too bad that you don't think I'm funny, well, but still go fuck yourself, but... I don't I, say it out loud as much. I used to be disgusted. Now I try to be amused. Right. As yeah. Mr. Costello would say. Would you still give like a Sam Kinison $200 for walking out? The, yeah, of course. Like how much is that? Like is, Today? Well, like- today's money, actually. That's probably <laughs> close to a thousand bucks. Yeah. Um, but you know, the, the, you got to remember one of the differences. Sam Kinison ultimately did prove that he could reach a very mainstream audience. And in fact, if you went to one of his later shows, you kind of got depressed about just how mainstream that audience was. And in some ways, how mainstream Sam had gotten in the way he pandered to the crowd at the very end. Andy is not the same situation at all. Um, He's got a very specific audience. I don't see a lot of room for growth in his... In his marketplace, I think that, you know, he's appealing to the people he will appeal to. Right. Even I, he admits that. I right. But I don't think Andy can get out of that sort of, like, there's people that can sort of pander to uh, mainstream better than others, but I just don't think that Andy Kindler has it in him to be like... I, I don't know. A traditional comedy club doesn't want to hear how Robin Williams sucks, joke number two. 
Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What, what, I didn't just get uh, what you said. See, the average comedy club fan does not want to hear how Robin Williams sucks. Joke number two. Oh, I see. You know what I mean? It's yeah, well, like it's, he's it's a very just, polarizing act in that regard. And it's not just that they don't think of you know. We sit here and turn over all these sure. issues in comedy because they are the most important things in our to lives. Us, yes. And yeah. there's about 600 people in the country, maybe 1,000 people in the country for whom that's true. Sure. Everybody else, they just want to enjoy the stuff. Yeah. yeah, They're not really that interested in, you know, geeking out on it. Right. That's true. Now, what would you think? Because you, you, one of your the big things at Yuck Yucks is the idea of you know young comics and promoting young comedy and and helping them you know raise their profile and get to be better comics. What do you think of the three mistakes most comics make? That doesn't have to be just young, but just overall in your mind, because you <laughs> see so much comedy. What do you think of the three they make the most? Well, the first thing is they don't pursue an interesting life. These, yes. They don't have yep. interesting life experiences. Right. Um, I remember jokingly telling some comic on Amateur Night um, when he asked what he should do next. I said, get a pack on your back, go to Europe, yep. find a countess, romance <laughs> her, yeah. fail with her, and then come back here. You know, the, there's there's no there's no emotional depth to what a lot of comics do, especially young comics, and they don't understand that. You know, the, the center, the core of what you're doing is a joke, but somewhere around it, there's an aura of something else, which might be, say, in the case of, you know, people like Dennis Miller or Bill Maher, there's there's a pedagogical. Uh, aura. You know, you actually learn stuff when you listen course, to these right. guys. Yeah. You come away going, oh, I didn't know about that senator. Okay, fine. Uh, there are other comics that kind of bring a melancholy, a sadness, because there's a sadness to life. And the comedy works so well because the sadness is there. You walk away, and after you listen to the joke and you laugh at the joke, there's, you're left with something. Some people, it's just, what a wonderful person. I'd love to... I'd love to spend a, 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 an evening with him, just hanging around. That's not me, around. but that's other people. Yeah, yeah there's just... <laughs> different you, you there's an extra denotative level of of the act sure so many comics especially young comics just don't have that well i, I would say they that, won't live they won't live well i would say that there's something to be said that when you watch a comic and all their jokes are about daytime television and uh, observations about hotel rooms it's sort <laughs> yeah. of like that's something well you got to get out more you got to yeah. see the, see the world a bit more okay or they, so or they have four getting, jokes and getting drunk right. and stoned is only moderately funny yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there, that's okay. That's the first, second, third thing. The second thing I would tell them uh, that I uh, that's missing from their acts, most of them, is that they have no personality, no character. Um, they don't understand that you know great comics have iconic characters that you can sum up in some kind of tragic flaw. And I say, what is your tragic flaw? And they run to the dictionary. So you know, just as Roseanne is vulgar and uh, Seinfeld is fussy and uh, Woody Allen is neurotic, you need these things. This iconic character to be able to get you past the words that what's what between what's between the words the the silences between the words are just as important as the words themselves. Mm. What are, what are look at Jeremy Hot, look at Jeremy Hotz. He scratches his nose. It's funny because you know that he's not just scratching his nose. It means something. <laughs> it's just would you ever tell an older comic to not to do it's sort of like there's like when a, a like a, a comic in his like well, late 40s and early 50s is all their jokes are about like uh porno and getting hammered and do people really want to see that out of it all like can you grow I, out of your material I, i'm sorry like can, can you, you you get too old for doing something yeah jokes? of course yeah Absolutely. I see it happen every day. Of course. Um, would I tell somebody? Well, I, I would suggest rather than tell. Right. 
you know? Because I know that you're big, not, you're big on not stifling someone's creativity, but then at the same time... Well, it's not creative. It's not, stifling somebody, it's not stifling somebody's creativity if you tell them maybe that the joke that they wrote 40 years ago might not be <laughs> yeah. cr- au courant, okay. shall we say? Yeah. And I'm supposed to come up with a third thing? Do we have to do this by the numbers? No, no, no. I came no, up no, with two fine. good ones. Yeah, two good ones. If good. I come up with another one, I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, also, I also think that they try to be, uh, almost all young comics try to be edgier than they should be. If it's not your life, then you shouldn't be talking about those kinds of perspectives that's my one of my biggest things with young comics they're all doing rape jokes or this or that and it's like that's not really yeah and how many chicks have they really raped come on really i I can look in a guy's eyes and immediately know he's a complete pussy when it comes to rape or a baker's dozen yeah don't look in my eyes mark really um (laughs) now darren you had a question about uh because you're a new dad yeah Yeah. uh, darren had a a fatherhood question though all right sure so uh, having a child uh, your age, your son is now four? No, he's almost two, almost and two. I'm 60. Right. Um, do, you, do you think about your legacy more now that you have a child, or have you not really considered that? No, I, don't th- I never had the child so that I could have some kind of uh, somebody to inherit the business. No, 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 no but mean. I mean, but you may not, that's a, exactly my, my question. You may not have thought about it, but now that you have the child, do you ever consider now your legacy and what you're going to leave behind? I just hope that I can pay my insurance, you know, right. month to month, Darren. <laughs> right. Um, I, I don't. When my son is old enough to run Yuck Yucks, I don't think Yuck Yucks will exist in its present form. Right. Um, I don't know whether we will go out anymore. We may all walk around in hazmat suits. Right. I, I have no idea what the far future holds, and I, under no circumstances do I want to even suggest to my son what he should be doing with his life. Right. Because that's what my parents did to me, and I hated them for it. Right. To the very end of their lives, they despised what I did, even when I was successful at it. Now, ironically, when I uh, meet all these kids at the Humber School of Comedy and I do these sort of one-on-ones with them, I say, well, what do your parents think about what you, you chose to do? And they said, oh, they found the school for me. Yeah, right. what does that do to you? Completely, completely different Right. world that I that I grew up in, which is my parents were, you know, sitting around deciding who was going to shoot whom in the suicide pack. <laughs> <laughs> who, who won? I'm not kidding. They okay. hated what I did. Well, yeah, my parents... They thought never... I could do anything. I was a... Can I say it? I was a brilliant student. Sure. And I was really good at just getting through the world. If I wanted to do something, I got it done, unless it was, like, sports-oriented. And for me to take my education, my background, my privileged background, and open up, as my mother called it, a coffee shop, (laughs) you know, it's just they hated it. Well, my parents have never seen me perform live either. Now I've accepted that now that's probably for the best. No, my parents saw me, and in fact, they even kind of... We're good sports about it. They did videos with me in the very early days, and I used the the fact that they hated it. We'd we'd cut to a video of me after doing a particularly disgusting joke with my par- <laughs> with my parents shaking their heads, going, "I don't know why he does this." You know, we gave him the best education. We loved him completely. And then I would take a rubber brick and throw it at the uh, uh, at the screen, and then the the bit would end. Oh, oh I do have a question from my Twitter page for you. Yes. Um, uh, it says at Walk and Sauce. Can you ask Mark if I can do the Vancouver Club in February 2013? And that's from Jennifer Grant. <laughs> if it isn't booked, sure she's doing the business. <laughs> if it isn't booked, and also is she going to be there in in Vancouver? I don't know, Jen. Are you going to be there? We'll find we'll find that stuff. <laughs> if out she's later. in Vancouver, it makes it even easier. Yeah, but I wouldn't say no. Yeah, of course she should play it. 
There you um, go, Jenny. We don't have uh, <laughs> we don't have that much time left. But what's going on with you now, Mark? Like, obviously, you've got, you're running Yuck Yucks, but is there anything else kind of on the burner? You're doing the film critique, or critical stuff. Yeah, I'm really happy about the the, uh, the column I'm writing in Metro yep. uh, with Richard Krauss, and I've got two screenplays I'm developing. No, I shouldn't say developing. I'm actually writing them, each with a different writing partner, based on my uh, stories in my 2002 book, Control Freaked. Okay. Oh, wow. Cool. Would you have and- sex with Nancy Grace? From uh, CNN's headline. Dave, I'm a married man. I don't think about Those such for a things. Good Threesome with your wife and Nancy Grace. I Everybody think my plays. wife has better taste, and I think she could. <laughs> I think she could pull better. It's <laughs> for a good well, cause. You know, and uh, we ran out of time, but I did want to say, uh, if anyone gets a chance, they should go see Confessions of a Porn Addict, because I still say, Mark, you were the best thing in it, and I really thought you did a great job. In Thank you, Darren. Thank I you. Really it was a lot of fun that. doing yeah. this thing oh, too. Bless. Yeah. So, uh, Mark, if people ever want to get in touch with you, uh, obviously, yuck yuck. Dot com is the place to go check out for comedy, but are you on Twitter? Are you? Uh... Heaven forbid. Um, no, um, they, I have a Facebook. I, I, they can contact me on Facebook. They can right. write me at mark at yuckyucks.com. Okay. I answer every single email I ever get. Well, there we go. There's going to be a Six lot. Six years after I get it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's going to be a lot that says, I've lived a lot of life, Mark, because I heard you say that. Now can I headline? Yeah. <laughs> That's going to happen. All right. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for coming by. Thank you. Thank you very Yay, much thanks, Mark. Thank you. Still waiting for the bestiality videos to get their own category at the Adult Video Awards. This is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. Hey, this is comedian Darcy Michael. You're listening to Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Friends on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. Laugh Attack! Proving once again cats are smarter than humans, this is Anything Goes with Darren Frost and Dave Martin. All right. All, all right. We are back. We are back. All right. We are back. It is uh, It is the week of October 3rd. Uh, this is Anything Goes with Darren Frost, the, on the coming from the XM Studios. And we just wrapped up with Mr. Mark Breslin. Yep. We had a little chitty chatty with him. Yeah, a little chitty chitty bang bang. I just want to quickly say one thing that we didn't get to uh, in that interview. There's a lot we didn't get to. But well, there's a lot that, that we didn't get to. That's not a bad thing. He'll come. We'll, we'll get him back here sure. again. Uh, I guess the, the one thing that I would always tell every comedian that is starting with Yuck Yucks uh, that uh, don't assume that Yuck Yucks is going to be your parents, right? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people have that when they sign up with Yuck Yucks because there are these clubs out there and, and you know, they, and they talk to comics and it's like, oh, I'm going to be working here. I'm going to be working there. And uh, But don't ever just assume that any company is uh, going to take care of you for life. They're not your parents. You have to go into this business wanting to do it for yourself because you love doing stand-up or comedy and don't think that anyone's going to take care of you. I mean, a lot of people uh, join something like Yuck Yucks because they don't want to do any of the business themselves and they want someone else to do it for them, but that's me. That's um, <laughs> not always the best thing because uh, no organization can take care of everyone for all their needs. Well, I mean, how many people are like employees of Ford and then they get laid off after 25 years? Right. It's, like they don't... It's, not, it's not even that. It's like there's things that you, everyone, a lot of people just wait for the phone to ring. And that's just, that's such a 1980s way of looking at stand-up comedy. You can't yeah. do it that way. Even when you have a great agent, like my acting agent, I'm still out there doing stuff and getting stuff on my own to then feed through to my, my acting agent. 
agent. You know, it's a, it's a it's a two way street. And I know a lot of comics they've just kind of fell into that um, trap of you get oh, complacent. Complacent yeah. is yeah. is a is a bad word in stand up, and you, you can't do it. And it's uh, you know it's sad for comics that have, are stuck there. Uh, he was right when he was talking about that actor. How he's like, well, you kind of have to get involved with everything. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, you can't just do like I obviously don't just live off my stand up money. You know, right. like hey, the more you do, you know, you have to do it. A lot of things. Well, and you know, and, and and clubs just lead to more clubs. Sadly, I think in in Canada to a right. certain extent. Yeah, that's true. And, and so, if you if you want to be, you have to do the Ron James route. You know, just keep yes. going through, and and you can use the clubs as a as a gymnasium, but don't expect that they are going to, uh, you know, pave your way for right. the rest of your life. You know, I was surprised there weren't as, as many uh, t- uh, tweets or questions for Mark for someone that uh, <laughs> has a reputation that Mark does, good and bad. Other people that love Mark and people who don't, and that's very similar in my scenario. I only got uh, that one question, and, uh, and then, and then, and then Julie like, Kim favorited my tweet. Right. I only <laughs> had about, you know, four or five questions, and uh, so, I mean, was, that was surprising, but, you know, I thought he uh, handled it very well. It was a very good interview, and uh, let's hope people get something out of it. It was a good time. And um, I don't know. Dave gave me some juice about an hour ago, and now I'm really gassy. What was in your juice, Dave? It's like a cleanser. It's sort of uh, nice. <laughs> that's, that's what you chemicals need. that my are, diaphragm's cleansed are, now. These burps are really loud. Aren't meant for human consumption. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Well, we don't have a lot of time. We got to wrap this up. So, oh yeah. I, I uh, this plug. weekend, pull, plug your show. All right. All right. So this weekend, um, I'm doing a lovely show in Montreal. It's called She's Canadian, A, eh? and it's like uh, all. A women Comedy Festival Thursday through Saturday in Montreal at a place called Club Privateer or Privateer. I don't know. I'm probably screwing that up. But uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Walkin' Sauce and you can uh, see the flyers for that. It's Iman, myself, uh, Deanne Smith. Who was on the show a month ago. He was awesome. It's a great group of gals. Steph Toloff. So it's going to be super fun. So if you're in Montreal, come down and um, yeah. Uh, you can check out me this Friday, uh, no, this Saturday, uh, with our headliner Ron James at the East End Comedy Review, 500 Queen Street East uh, in Toronto. You can find follow me on Twitter and the uh, website and Facebook, uh, DaveMartinWorld.com. And um, yeah, we're can, what's going on? Oh, and we're going to Ottawa soon. We're going to be we in Ottawa, October, I believe it's 12 to 14. That's the Thursday to Saturday in Ottawa, myself and Dave Martin. And we are going to be uh, rocking it out there. So if you're interested, uh, go to uh, yuckx.com to order tickets. Ottawa's a great town for comedy. It's where you started, Christina, so you yeah. know it's a great town. And uh, my stuff, Comedy Horror, is my Twitter and my website, .com. So if you're interested in November, myself and Katie Robinson will be doing some dirty shows in the uh, Kitchener and Ajax area. And then in January, we'll be doing a bunch of other shows. So uh, if you're interested, uh, hook it up and uh, buy some tickets. So that's it. That's the show. And we just posted a new episode. With, uh, with Big Jay Okerson. Yeah, uh, a great episode. A, a, a absolutely hilarious episode that we did. Yep. Uh, you can uh, now get that down on uh, iTunes. And also, I wanted to mention that uh, I will be uh, working on a uh, musical that I'm uh, trying to uh, put, uh, get some more work done on mm-hmm. to, uh, called uh, Fiddler on the Roofie. So uh, it's, it's a lot of me waking oh, up. Oh, really? A big fat we're going to end dude. the show on that one? Oh, Fiddler on the Roofie. Yes. Fiddler on the Roofie. It's That's me waking, we're waking a guy up. Okay. We just talked about how this great big Jay Okerson show, and they did a little fucking pun. I Fiddler did on a little Roofie. Roofie. It's, a, it's a good time. It's a good time. Good yeah. times. It's good a good time to wake up with a fucking... Fiddle in your ass. You didn't do one. Did we say the show's over? One news story about something being up someone's ass. Show's over. Show's over. Show's over. Bye. Bye.